Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hello and welcome to The Practice Podcast. I am Jeff Bast. I'm Brett Amron. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Brett. Today, we're going to talk about something near and dear to both of our hearts, and that is partnerships and what makes a good partnership and where can partnerships fall apart. I think that we have a very good partnership. That's what you think. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I just got served. No, I think we have a very good partnership for a number of reasons, which we can get into. But to me, a business partnership is very similar in ways to marriage, right? Because... Hopefully you know, without the romantic element, uh, ideally in a business setting. That, that's hurtful. <laughs> but in a business sense, right? Because right. trust, communication, like all of that is super important. Because if you don't have that, if you're in business and if you're with somebody in business that you don't trust and don't think has your best interest or the best interest of the company at the forefront, that's a problem. No, for sure. Trust and respect and morality are such important parts of any partnership, just like a marriage. It's interesting because I think most marriages, I don't know if this is true, but I think most marriages do not have a prenuptial agreement. And many partnerships don't have a partnership agreement, but they're kind of the same thing. I think the difference is in a marriage, you have the romantic element, which is supposed to be the bond. Whereas in a business partnership, the bond should be, you know, profits and uh, whatever the business may be. Right, so partnership agreements, right? And that's always sort of a touchy subject when people are going into business together. Right. It's a sunny day, so why do we have to deal with that? Why do we have to put any of that in writing? Right, yeah, that's a conversation you and I have with business owners and entrepreneurs so often. And they ask us, you know, we're on the same page. And I think what we always like to say is a partnership agreement is not really a partnership agreement. It's really a separation agreement. Here's an agreement that you reached when you're on good terms and everything is great Mm -hmm. to say, okay, if we are ever not on good terms or one of us isn't around for whatever reason, incapacitated, God forbid something happens to them, what's going to happen with this partnership? So it's an agreement to how we're going to separate when things go wrong. Yeah, it's for the rainy day, but why not plan for the rainy day when it's sunny out Exactly, and everyone's in a good mood? And yeah, is that a tough conversation to have? Sure. But planning is always the smart thing to do. Like if you're running a business, you don't just go in and fly by the seat of your pants, you plan. So why not include as part of planning what could happen if things go wrong? Not necessarily because the partnership falls apart, but as you said, if there's an unfortunate situation where you have one of the partners incapacitated or passes away or whatever, you need to plan for that. Otherwise, you're leaving the split or how to deal with those things to the courts, to case law, to statutes, as opposed to what you and your partner agree to. Yeah. Yeah. I know for sure. It's the rainy day. I like the, you know, I want to plan for a rainy day when it's raining. That's not the time to go shopping for an umbrella. No. But I think it's also a good exercise because it forces two business owners or three or four or whatever the number might be, however many partners there might be, to sit down Mm -hmm. and make sure that they're all on the same page with as many aspects of the business as they can be. You know, how we're going to split profits, you know, what expenses we're going to pay, what happens if one of us wants to sell, what happens if one of us gets sick, you know, all those things. It's an important practice to just think about 
all the various things that could go wrong before they go wrong. And and you're right. I think most entrepreneurs and most people who are starting a business are only looking forward and we're going to succeed. Everything's going to be great. They're just not thinking about what could go wrong, which is, you know, unfortunately, that's <laughs> that's kind of our job is where right. the doomsday guys come. People talk to us and they say, what could go wrong? You know, really? How much time do you have? I can make a long list of things that could go wrong. So what do you think are some of the, I know I put it out on LinkedIn, but you wrote a very nice piece that you published on LinkedIn about me and, and our partnership. And I could not agree more. I mean, there's never been a day during the time of our partnership where I ever thought that you didn't have the best interest of the firm or me in mind. And I never have any issue of like trust or anything yeah. like that. And yeah. so respect and, and I know where you stand. I know your integrity and all of that. And I think you feel the same way. What, I, put, I put pen to paper. You so did. If you I know. Put I it did. In writing, I would, I, that would be great. I will write that down kidding. in calligraphy <laughs> and frame it for you. But yeah. what do you think are some of the sort of the keys to you know really a, a um, good partnership? Yeah, I mean, so we we've talked about some of them already. Trust obviously is the foundation. To me, if you don't have trust, there's really is no partnership because that's it's built upon trust. If if I can't trust my partner. Whatever the split might be, 50, 50, 60, 40, 30, you know, 30, 70. If you can't trust that partner is doing the, is going to do the right things mm-hmm. and act with integrity, then you got nothing. You know, you shouldn't be in business. So if you're a business owner out there and you're listening to this and you don't trust your partner, you need to get out of that partnership or do something different. Right. So trust is the key. You know, we've talked about respect. I do think having a written agreement does give everybody some comfort so that you don't have to worry about, you know, what happens. But obviously, there's got to be some agreement on the key terms going in. What's going to be the split? How are we going to make distributions? How often? What expenses should we pay or should we not pay? Obviously, a partnership agreement, the actual agreement will have terms for what happens if somebody becomes incapacitated, God forbid, as much as you love my wife and I love your wife, we, you know, neither of us wants to be in business with right. the other's spouse. And, and I think they feel the same. They would definitely, <laughs> they definitely do not want to be in this business for sure. But, you know, I think that that's a really important point. Or what if, you know, one day you just wake up and say, you know what, I'm climbing a mountain, which you often do, but this time I'm going to stay there at the top. And don't call me. Wait. I'm not bringing my phone. How, how do you know? Did so, you get in my right, head this yeah. morning? <laughs> right. Yeah, we should have, there should be an agreement for what happens right. in that situation. And so most partnership agreements will have, you know, some kind of buy-sell agreement. Mm-hmm. If something happens to you, God forbid, a lot of partnerships will have insurance to mm-hmm. underwrite what happens if one person go- passes, then there's an insurance policy available that will pay that person's spouse for their partnership interest. Right. God forbid that anyone should ever be faced with that, but it happens. It happens all the, all the time. Right. I think you mentioned a point about the, the partnership agreement. I think one of the ways to think about a partnership agreement is actually if it's in place and the terms are there and you've all agreed upon it on the front end, it actually frees people up to really go in 100% because you know that if something goes wrong, it's resolved. Like, I don't have to worry. Like, I don't have to walk on eggshells thinking, right. well, listen, if I do this, then do I put myself in a bad position if things go wrong? Right. Hopefully, you don't think that way right. because you're moving forward together. But 
maybe there's that in the back of somebody's head as a partner. Like, ah, you know, we don't have a partnership agreement if something goes wrong. I don't have my deal on paper in terms of the split. So I'm going to be cautious and walk on eggshells. But having that already done on the front end kind of frees people up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it gives you security. We do a lot of partnership litigation of between business partners, business owners, and we've seen somewhere, well, you know, how much of this, you know, we ask a client, how much of the business do you own? Well, I own 40%, but on paper, it only says 25%. What does that mean? Well, the agreement says 25, but we have an understanding that I own this or I put in that, or, you know, my interest is in somebody else's name. And if you're entering into a partnership and we are not able to give legal advice, you should not rely upon this legal advice. We're not creating an attorney-client relationship with this podcast. But if you're going into that partnership with those types of arrangements, you might want to consider the alternatives. Right. And, and to put a finer point on that, which is make sure that the terms of the written partnership agreement, number one, are very clear and that they accurately portray what the terms of the partnership are. Not, oh, well, we have this side deal. Because that's never going to go well. And so make sure that if you're going to go to the trouble and the expense of putting together a partnership agreement, that it accurately portrays the terms of the deal and what the parties agree to a separation, as you mentioned, but that it's clear, right? That you... That you understand it. You understand it. Right. And, you know... A non-lawyer. That, right. A non-lawyer, right? right understands yeah. it. So... Because we've also had that. We've asked clients, well, what does your partnership agreement say? I don't know. Okay, well, let's pull it out. Do you know what this means? No. no well, then you idea. don't, this is your agreement. Right. Even if the lawyers understand it, as a business owner, it's important that you understand what it says. And the lawyers should be writing what you tell them to write in right. theory. And what we see a lot as well in business is there's one lawyer that drafts the document right. and that both partners, if there's two, let's assume two for now, or all the partners rely on that lawyer. And there's usually a caveat in that agreement, which says, hey, I'm the lawyer that drafted this thing technically representing the partnership or just representing the deal. And so I'm not giving you each of you individual advice. So if you have a question as a partner before you sign that, then ask a lawyer, like have somebody review it for you individually. Your own lawyer. Your own lawyer individually, separate and apart. So you can feel maybe a little bit more comfortable that what you're signing is what you want to sign and what you thought the deal was and representing the terms of the deal. So don't be afraid to, to ask for that. Right. Yeah. And then there's always, you know, if we're, if we're talking about the terms of the agreement, there's always the, if we're going to have a fight, where are we going to fight? Are we going to fight in court? Is it going to be yeah. here? Is it going to be an arbitration? Right. Do we want some kind of cooling off period? Do we want to require that mediation? Um, if we have to value the company, how are we going to value the company for some reason? Is there an accounting firm we want to use? Should we agree on that in advance? So all those things are details that are just better to hash out when you have a good relationship because with the expectation that, hey, we're never going to need this, but just in case. Right. Just in case. And the other other thing that we, I'm not sure we said this, but it doesn't have to be, you don't have to create a partnership agreement, a written agreement on day one. Mm -hmm. In fact, you and I didn't do that on day one. We We had an agreement on the terms, but we didn't actually, you know, have a document signed for some time. And so, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't have a partnership agreement in writing, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about (laughs) in writing because most people will say we have a partnership agreement and we've agreed to the terms. That's great. Put it in writing. Yeah. Just put it in writing. Memories fade. People change. They get sick. Things happen. But it doesn't matter if it, the partnership could be around or the business could be around for 
10 years and you could still have right, you know, put an agreement in place. Yeah. And you have to be mindful, of course, depending on where your business is located of, you know, particular laws in states and what you can or cannot agree to. I mean, there may be limitations on that. And that's why, you know, you need to go to a, a good lawyer to help you draft it and make sure, sure that whatever you're agreeing to is within the bounds of whatever jurisdiction you're in. And enforceable. Correct. And I, I also think it's a good idea that if you do have a partnership agreement, to dust it off every once in a while. You don't yep. have to do it every month or every year even. Maybe it's a good practice to look at it every year, but dust it off every once in a while. Yep. And just take a look and see, hey, are we following this? And if we're not, that's fine, but right. maybe you want to modify it to... Right. Or maybe the business has changed and right. maybe there's things that require some modification right. to it. And so you can amend or supplement or uh, you right. know, whatever it is. Moving a little bit past uh, partnership agreements. And one of the things I thought about um, in terms of making sure that you have a good and robust partnership is honesty, right? And it's not necessarily just honesty with your partner, but honesty with yourself, right? Because each partner will have a role in the business. And in my view, and I think you agree, in order to be truly successful in business, partners bring their own strengths to the business. And the partners can use those strengths and hopefully they have complementary strengths. You don't want everyone having the same strengths. You want different strengths, right? Because where one person may be good at one aspect of numbers, let's say, of a business, and one partner may be very good at marketing. I mean, just different things and bring different strengths. And one may be better at dealing with people and human resources, and one may not. And, And so being honest with yourself and your partner and knowing strengths and weaknesses is very good because then you can say, all right, you do this, I'll do this, I'll be in charge divide of this and, conquer, and do this. Yeah. Divide and conquer, right? So that you're putting the strengths where they belong. And if you have a weakness in an area, be willing to admit that and say, right. I have a weakness in this right. area. You have a strength, you handle that. Or you just don't like doing something. Well, you know, right. Some things that are just- That's a mental weakness. Distasteful. <laughs> I can do it, but I don't like to do it. It's right. stressful for me and it just comes natural to right. you. Then that's a great way to divide it up. And yeah, I think a partnership- is definitely best with everyone doing what they're best at, you know, or any business succeeds best with each person doing what they are. It's maximizing utility. Maximizing utility. Right. In order to maximize the business and the growth. I mean, obviously at the beginning, everyone's jumping in and everyone's doing all things, whatever. But once you get up and running and once you get moving in the right direction, it's all right, well, let's divide and conquer so that we can really hone our right. skills and hone the skills of the business and grow it, divide yeah. and conquer. That's not to say, of course, if you say, I'm going to give up human resources to my partner, that doesn't mean that you're never going to have a say or you're never going to be involved in it, but your partner is going to be the champion of human resources. And then you'll have conversations about it as part of the partnership meetings or whatever it is. But again, that's where the trust comes in and the communication. It's right. like, I trust my partner. I don't need to be involved in that. You know, let my partner handle that. And if there's bigger issues, then we can have communication on that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you and I, in the beginning of our partnership, you and I together made every decision. And it wasn't because it wasn't a lack of trust. It was more like we wanted to be involved in every decision. And so to this day, I still want to be involved in every decision, but becomes where I realized that I became the logjam and my desire to be part of every decision was impeding our decision-making. And so I think we realized over time organically that, hey, we really should separate it up. It's better for us, but it's also better for the organization too, so that when people have an issue, they know, hey, I can go to Brett for this or I can go to Jeff for that. But it just 
makes for efficiencies yeah. over time to clearly define the roles. And it's not, like you said, it's not to say that you can't have overlap and there's naturally going to be overlap. Absolutely. But the idea is together we're better than we are on our own. And so the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And so together we make a stronger, a stronger team. So, yeah. And I think that is premised on, you started with this, premised on honesty and Honestly, you and I both subscribe to the golden rule. I know that when I'm deciding something for the business, that's, I, don't know, I was going to say controversial, but I think about if Brett was going to do that, how would I feel about that? Yep. You know, if um, I was going to hire my daughter as the manager of the office, I think, well, mm-hmm. if Brett just said, hey, I'm going to hire <laughs> my son or one, or my daughter, how would I feel about that? Right. And yeah, I think it's easier with two. I think it becomes a little bit more complicated as the numbers grow. All the more reason to have the agreement in place. But all the more. Right, going back right. to the partnership so just agreement. just make but, sure you're on the same page. Well, right. And yeah. like-minded. And that's not to say that, again, this goes back to the strengths and weaknesses. That's not to say that you want everyone to say, agree, 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 agree. In fact, you want people to have different processes about how that you and I yeah, we get have, to we, decisions yeah. in very different ways. We agree a lot of the time. Some We have debate. You and I have debate on issues and sometimes... We come out at a different spot than both you and I thought we'd get right. to when we first start the conversation. And that I think the different processes, you got to allow that to happen. Like if right. your partner has a different way of getting to a decision, let that happen. That's okay. That's good. That Those conversations are good. And that debate is good as long as, again, the foundation is there, which is the trust, the communication, the honesty, the integrity, because... If you trust that your partner, again, is coming at it from the, a good perspective and the perspective of the best interests of the business and you as his or her partner, well, then let them, let's debate it. That's fine. Right. That's okay. Yeah. You if know? there's a good reason for it. And so right. you and I, we've, when we've had disagreements, typically you'll say, you know, here's, no, I, I think we should do it this way mm-hmm. and here's why. And sometimes I'll be like, I don't agree, but okay. you feel strong, more strongly about it. And that's not as important to me. Or And so I will concede the issue. Or sometimes I'll push back and say, no, I disagree. This is the way it should go. And hopefully that discussion only occurs because we both know, mm-hmm. or only occurs in a productive manner, because we both know that the other has the best interest of the company in mind. Right. So if I was concerned that you're making this decision based on what's in your personal interest, then now we're both going to do the same thing and you've created a crack in the partnership. Right. It's the intent, right? What is my partner's intent? The intent is, they have good intent. Their intention is with the best interest of the partnership and me and mine. Well, then let's have the debate and the conversation. And, you know, there's times when you feel more strongly about things and that's okay. Once or twice. But that's okay, right? I mean... There's going to be issues that you feel more strongly about. And there's going to be issues that I feel more strongly about. And there's times when we both say, go for it. Right. Or there's times when we have a debate and we come out at a different place than both of us were at when we started the conversation, yeah. which yeah. is great. Oftentimes we arrive at the same place, but yep. for different reasons and different, different processes. Paths. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's okay. But, and I sometimes I get nervous when we're on too much on the same page. Right, right. I start thinking, okay, are we missing? Are we missing something here? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you need to start disagreeing with me more. And I need to start disagreeing with you more. I actually disagree with that. Okay. (laughs) All right, fair (laughs) enough, since you feel so strongly about it. Yeah, so I think we've seen a lot of partnerships fail because we see this, you know, that's our business, is 
either were some disagreement, usually it's a lack of communication. That to me is the foundational problem, you know, or I shouldn't say a lack of communication, but a failure of communication. Sometimes communication is misinterpreted, especially in writing, emails, texts, whatever, and things snowball. And, you know, we've seen partnership disagreements that probably would have been worked out had they just sat down and talked through it. But oftentimes it's driven by greed. Sometimes there's too much money. And then the flip side is there's not enough money and everybody's fighting for smaller pieces. And so a lot of businesses do well when things are are good, but not too good and and not too bad. But keeping the lines of communication open are always, always so important. Yeah. Have the ability to walk down instead of, like you said, it's so easy to send an email or a text. Have the ability to walk down to your partner's office and feel comfortable sitting in there and saying, we need to talk. Right. And I agree with that. If you don't have that, forget it. Right. But also having a structured time, because you and I, we do a weekly, yep. you know, we've done various sort of structures over the years. Right now we're doing a weekly mm-hmm. meeting and right. usually, you know, sometimes it's 10 minutes, sometimes it's two hours. But having that structure, I know that if I have an issue or if you have an issue, yep. that's going to be a time when we can talk about it. And it's set every time. And and I think that helps because it also creates an opportunity. It forces us to, if there is an issue, vet it, clear the air. Yeah. There's a, a lot of groups do. We do it in our EO format. I'm sure you do too. Clearing the air, where if you have an issue, you're supposed to raise it with people. But we create a vehicle for that so that when you don't have an issue, you still do the exercise of clearing the air. So that if you do have an issue, you're going to say it. And affirmatively saying to someone, I don't have an issue with you. I guess maybe we should explain what clearing the air is, which maybe it's, you know what? We're going to save clearing the air for another podcast. That's a whole nother topic. It's not give away the secret sauce. The point is creating a vehicle for exchanging ideas and concerns is important. And whether that's a a regular meeting or a conference call or whatever it might be, it's important. And I think getting to the meeting or whatever format you have to sit down with your partner or partners, one of the things I like that we do is create an agenda, right? Why? Because number one, it, it frames the meeting, which is good. But number two, it allows you, if it's your time, if you decide to create the agenda or if you get an agenda, it gives you time to think and prepare a bit for the meeting so that you know what the issues are going to be talked about and you can think about that and be ready for the meeting and not just walk in cold and go, all right, well, what we got today? Yeah, that's a great point. I forgot about that. You know, the agenda, and by the way, I think when people hear an agenda, they think of, it's a little, I don't know, intimidating. It's our agenda is usually a list of five to 10 yeah. topics, and it's maybe a couple of words. For right. me, I like it because- yeah, It's a discussion. It right. reminds me, right. it gets me thinking about it. If you send me the agenda, it gets me thinking, and then I think, oh yeah, what about this and this? Yep. But it also allows us to not forget between, because we have so many issues coming up. Right. You know, when you're running a business, it's really hard to keep track yeah. of every concern or every issue that you're managing and they pop up all the time. No, I know if you send the agenda in a particular week and there's something on there that I hadn't thought of, I'm like, oh, okay, that's an interesting issue. And then I start to think about it so right. that when we sit in there, I hear why you put that on there and why you want to talk about it. And I've already sort of started to think about that issue that's on there. And so... To me, that that creates a right. productive meeting instead of taking the issue and going, well, let me think about it. And then you have to wait for the next week. It's allowing 
there to be productive conversation to get to perhaps a decision if one needs to be made during that meeting so that the meetings can be really productive. Right. Yeah. I mean, in most formal organizations, you have an agenda, but you also review the prior weeks, approve the minutes for a board, you know, board of directors will approve the minutes. And sometimes people think that's that's just kind of a routine formality that you don't need, but it actually helps because you remember, hey, what did we talk about last time? Especially if you're doing it monthly, you haven't spoken in a month about these topics. What did we talk about last time? You and I both take notes when we're meeting. And yep. I usually, if I, I put down the to-dos in my notes, at least my own to-dos for sure, yep. it's a reminder of what we talked about, what we agreed upon, or what we need to follow up on. I mean, you said a month. I mean, a week goes by and it's like, wait, what did we talk about last week? Oh, yeah. So we have to go back and look at the agenda from the prior right. week and the notes and the action items, right? We both walk out of those meetings with action items. Sure. Sure. Because we're recording this on a Friday and we did our meeting on Wednesday and I right. did not tell you about <laughs> two days ago. Exactly. Um, so that means to me that you haven't actually done any of your action items. No, so, I did them know, all on partner, that. Bad partner. I finished all of my to-dos <laughs> and that's why I've already put it out of my out of my mind. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. See, but, communication. Yeah, I was gonna say just uh <laughs> if you have all these elements, trust, respect, integrity a moral compass, clear communication, hopefully an agreement in writing. These are, you have the main keys to success to a partnership. Hopefully it's built upon a a credible business model of some sort and you have great partners. And I am thankful that I have all of that wrapped in one with Mr. Jeffrey Bast. Thank you, Brett Amron. And I agree, by the way, I also have the same thing (laughs) with you. I I didn't want you to think I was overlooking that. If you have any questions or you want to hear more about this topic or you want to hear another topic on the practice podcast please send us a message through email or through our website or any other channel and we look forward to hearing you from you soon for more information on this show and other resources visit fastamron.com and connect with us on linkedin facebook and instagram at fastamron.com